Welcome everybody to another episode of Need Some Introduction. In today's episode, a few different topics. First, a very brief review of Alex Garland's new movie, Men. I was intending to have a much longer review of this film, but really, it's a film you have to see to get, and you'll hear my general opinion of it, but it's not a mainstream film. The few of you that may hear that uh, and find the appeal of it, I would say if you're an Alex Garland fan in general, you know who he is, and you follow his career, there's a lot to like here. For general audiences, I would say not a recommendation, but there is still a brief review here. Then a full breakdown of the latest episode of Shining Girls called Bright. There's two more episodes of this show yet to come. And lastly, about 25 minutes in, if you want to jump directly to the Barry content, I break down the most recent episode of Barry with my sister, once again. Also, just a general announcement that, of course, Better Call Saul, our most popular recap show, will be taking a break, a hiatus in the show, but we do have one episode coming on Monday night or Tuesday morning, so make sure you subscribe and check your notifications for that new episode. I am very curious to see how things wrap up in this half season, and then the show does return in July, but of course, many other things that will be covered here. The Obi-Wan Kenobi show is premiering later in the week as well, and we will be going week to week discussing Obi-Wan Kenobi. Also this week, the new Top Gun movie comes out, and there'll probably be a review, review of that coming later in the week. Plus Stranger Things. We have the first half season of Stranger Things, which is dropping over the weekend as well. And I'll probably be giving you my impressions of that show as well. I don't think I can break down episode by episode. There's just so much time. But I will give you my general review of that as I catch up with it. And the summer is full of other genre films that I will be reviewing here. And Sona will be back discussing Only Murders in the Building in June. And then, of course, with the return of Better Call Saul for the very last batch, the last six episodes forever of this really brilliant show. And that is coming in July. Make sure you stay tuned for all of that. If you'd like to support the show, recommend this to somebody who might appreciate the conversation. Make sure you subscribe so you know when these episodes become available. And one more reminder, if you want to jump directly to the Barry content, if you have not been watching Shining Girls, you probably want to jump right to the Barry recap, which is at about the 25-minute mark here in this episode. So I hope you find something in here that you enjoy, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, so the first thing I wanted to tell you was I went to see Men with um, Jesse Buckley and Rory Kinnear. This is from Alex Garland, the guy who did Annihilation, and he did Ex Machina, which I just rewatched this week, by the way. And I know you just watched uh, rewatched Annihilation this week, right? Oh, yeah. And I love Ex Machina. That was fantastic. Yeah. So in my mini review for men, I would say that I might have a whole review in this uh, podcast I'll do on my own. But just as a kind of a, a, a basic point I'd make is that it's not, you know, anybody out there who is a generic horror movie fan, I don't think they're going to be satisfied by this film. It's not a traditional horror fan, as you can imagine, for if you do know Alex Garland's films and we've seen uh, Annihilation more than Ex Machina. Rewatching Ex Machina this week, which is my favorite of his films that he's directed on his own. He's done a bunch of things with Danny Boyle also, by the way. He wrote 28 Days Later. He wrote uh, Sunshine, which I really like a lot, until, except the ending's pretty bad, but the rest of it's excellent. And he's also did a TV show called Devs last year, which was very interesting, but maybe his biggest failure up until now, because <laughs> spoiler alert, Men is probably his least successful film, in my opinion. Although the first like two thirds of it is really excellent. And then it goes really crazy at the end. And if this movie is going to have any reputation, it's how crazy it gets at the end. 
And I feel like everything that happens at the end is visually memorable, but I don't know if it needed it. And it kind of just, you know, uh, overdoes everything that we already, I, I had already figured out by the time we got there. So, so what I would say is if you like Annihilation, not necessarily if you're a big fan of Ex Machina, this is not going to give you that same kind of Ex Machina feel. But if you like Annihilation and you enjoy that kind of ambiguities there, this is even more ambiguous in many ways, uh, but not as satisfying, I have to say. But yeah, it's definitely something that if you see it, you'll have an opinion about it. And uh, <laughs> what happens at the end is completely open to interpretation. So I like when things like are so like annoying, actually. Mm-hmm. This sounds like you're saying it's annoying. It's not annoying. I mean, I appreciated it, which doesn't necessarily mean I I mean, well, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I didn't really. I don't think it's the type of movie you're supposed to enjoy <laughs> in the same way that I appreciate Annihilation. And I don't really think it's something you're supposed to enjoy. But like I said, I, as a fan of Annihilation, which I thought was very flawed, but has overall, I found satisfying. This is even weaker than that because I feel like it's trying even harder to be a little out there. And what it's saying, I think in the end is not that deep. And I think that's part of the problem, right? I honestly can't say much without spoiling things because it's a movie where nothing happens and then everything happens all at once. So it's really not that much uh, to, to talk about, but so my, awful. <laughs> so my general, <laughs> that's the thing is like, if you see the trailer for it, you'll see like, wow, this movie looks incredible. Like the, and I would say the acting is incredible and the visuals are incredible, like truly incredible. And the ending, when everything crazy happens, you're not going to forget those images either. <laughs> but um, it's like the scary bear in um, <laughs> in Annihilation for 25 minutes straight. But uh, so it's, it's you know you're going to have memorable imagery. I just don't know if it needed all that. Is my opinion. If you did like Annihilation, if you're a big Alex Garland fan, I think you will appreciate this, even if you're not fully satisfied by it. If you are looking for a straight up horror film with lots of jump scares and like kind of a traditional horror movie, stay away from this because this is not going to be that kind of movie at all. He has become his own genre. (laughs) So if you're a fan of that, uh, there is a lot to admire here and there's definitely discussion to be had after you see it, but it is not going to satisfy in traditional ways. I would say as a barometer, whatever your fall off in appreciation for his films between Ex Machina and Annihilation, if that was I love Ex Machina and I hated Annihilation. You're going to hate this even more. If you were like, I liked Ex Machina, but I found Annihilation even more interesting, then you might find this even yet more interesting. So I would say use your judgment based on that analogy. This is something that I think you specifically, Celia, might appreciate. I don't know if you're going to like it. You might hate it, to be honest with you. But I think you would be open to discussing it after you saw it. And I would say to be totally blunt, like Carlos would be like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and to just be, would be out, would be out on it completely. All right. Do you want to start with Shining Girls or do you want to start with Barry? Well, I think we should start with Shining Girls because I just saw You just saw, saw it. it, right? Exactly. Okay. <laughs> like, I literally just saw it. I'm like, I have to watch it first. Hang on a second. So this episode of Shining Girls is the sixth, right? So we have two more to go after this one. This is called Bright. And this is basically could be called all about Harper. So we find out who this guy is. We find out his name and we get his whole backstory in one episode. What do you think of this? I thought that was really fun. I love so many things about this episode. This guy like has somehow made himself the owner of this house, this magical house. So let's get break down some of the things we find out about this guy. He, first of all, uh, as we kind of suspected, 
a veteran. It turns out he's a veteran of World War One. So he's nearly, well, I guess I was going to say nearly 100 years old today. He would be 100 years old plus. But I guess in the 90s, so yeah, he's still approaching 100 years old, even at that time. 75 years past him fighting in World War One. We also find out that this is where he met Leo, right? They, they were or comrades in arms. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's back in Chicago. I was about to say New York City. I keep thinking they're in New York City, but they're definitely in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> he comes back to Chicago and he meets up with his ex who has a very strange dance routine she's doing, some kind of <laughs> half striptease, <laughs> half goth <laughs> thing. She's, it's a poem or something. It's part yeah. of this beautiful story and she's translating it through her dancing. But I think people are there for the titillation factor. So she's like, that's what he said. He's like, I I don't think that anybody would think that if they saw what I saw. (laughs) She is being a little more uh, artsy about it. She's so artsy. I like her with two eyes. Madeline Brewer is the name of the, but yes, but speaking of Madeline Brewer, a really interesting horror movie on Netflix called Cam. Have you ever seen Cam? I have. It's that very was good. really good. Yes. Yeah, I think it's very good. He reunites with this girl. I, at first, I, I read it as they were exes, but it turns out it's more complex than that. They grew up together at an orphanage, right? Yeah, that's what I got out of it. And they used to peep on people and stalk people. And of course, that we have seen this behavior of his anyway. So we kind of see where that originated. And she was, once again, his compatriot when they were kids, you know, probably playing spies with, on, uh, when they were living together at the orphanage. And he has tracked down this woman who uh, I guess was kind of mean to them back when she worked at the orphanage. They sneak into her apartment when she steps out and they find, of all things, in this must be 1918, 1920 at this point, at the latest, a digital watch, which is a very, very anachronistic, obviously. <laughs> and um, they hear it beeping and they're like, what is this? Is this from Europe? Like, <laughs> who made this thing? And uh, the woman happened to have forgotten her umbrella. And when she returns, he threatens, threatens her basically to find out where this watch came from. And it, I assume he killed her. That's what I think. Just so that she'll keep her mouth shut, obviously. So this is not a good guy, by the way. So it's, even now he is a creeper. So he does find out where this house is. So she gives him directions and he shows up there with Leo and investigating the house. They start seeing a lot of weird stuff there, right? They find like a, a stereo. They find things from obviously from all different times in this house where they still think they still are in this 1920-ish time frame. And inside of this house, they find an old man hiding. And he says, well, I guess it's time for me to leave the house. The house has its own ways or something like that. So there's house almost seems like it seems to have a plan of some kind. Who knows what's going on with this house yet? And they start saying, how long have you been inside of here? He doesn't get a chance to answer them because he runs away. They chase him down. He gets run down the middle of the street. And it looks based on the cars. This is probably the 1950s or so. So they immediately know that there is something going on here because we are no longer in our own timeline. And if they need any proof of that, they get it instantaneously. That was so fun. Okay, this show is fun. Last week, I was so confused. I was like, I don't even know how to talk about it. This week, everything's coming together. It's like I'm getting a little thrill off of this. And we're starting to see it come together late, very late in the, the game here. That's why I asked, how many episodes are there? So we find out some things about how this house is working. It turns out we discover... That Harper can think of a time of a specific time and be there. This seems to be a very, <laughs> seems a very convenient way that this house works. This is just like last week's conversation. In what way? Like time travel. Well, it definitely has to do with time travel, but I just find it very <laughs> odd that there's some weird behaviors here. First of all, we discover over the course of the episode that 
Leo apparently cannot pick a time to go into. It only works when he's with Harper. So Harper has the ability of picking a time and anybody who's with him can also travel to that time, but they don't have the ability of on their own, I should say. And now the reason I kind of pause there for a second is because I'm also thinking about the fact that Leo leaves the house and re-enters the house and has a memory of these exits and entries. However, very interestingly, we find out that when she apparently has been with him many times on this exact same night. So he has basically, she is the original shining girl. And now I'm stopping again because I'm realizing that she's taking radium, which could make her shine. That's why she she uses radium on her skin. Aha, uh-huh. there we go. Which is probably why she's coughing as well. She's probably dying of cancer. <laughs> so I'm just this piecing, is... I'm piecing this all together at this moment. I love this. <laughs> just coming up with these on the fly ideas. Well, first of all, so on the show, I'm just coming up with these things off the top of my head right now because I'm putting, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm gluing these things together now. So first of all, <laughs> there is a really great, book you should read called The Radium Girls uh, is a book about a uh, true the nonfiction book about the girls who used to use radium to, uh, they started putting radium on like glow in the dark watches. So there was a lot of manufacturer using radium. These girls who worked in the radium plants started to glow. They would actually go to uh, dance halls and stuff and they would shine. They would like have basically be um, radioactive. Toxic. Yes, radioactive. (laughs) And this became like a style. So people would put radium on. The girls would use radium to shine in these dance halls. And then, of course, you know, years would go by. And then these girls started like their teeth started falling out and they all started dying. And uh, anyway, so it's a a very fascinating story. And uh, it happened right here in New Jersey, most of it, actually. So it's worth um, tracking down. And it's like it's been a huge bestseller, the history of this from around this time period. Anyway, that book is called Radium Girls. And now I'm remembering that one of the girls has a box of radium in her body. That was one of the things that was left behind. And now look at this. And now this girl is putting radium on her skin to uh, shine. And, you know, we're starting to see that she is getting sick. So it's possible that she dies and he's trying to replace her in some way. Or does he kill her? Does he just kill her? That's the other strange thing. I actually have a feeling at the end of this episode, he might have killed her in this moment, but it doesn't really matter because he has done this with her multiple times. So it's possible that she... But he can't go any further with her because he killed her in this moment. I guess. He can only have her up till then. Yes. So I do wonder what happens to her if he had potentially kills her in this moment at the end of this episode where he gets violent with her. If she did die, if there are consequences to that, because... He says, come over here. You always do. And she goes, what do you mean? I always do. How many times have I been here? And why don't I remember it? And he basically says, this house isn't for you. This is my house. So somehow she can't remember being there, but Leo can. So I don't understand still how this thing works. But some other things that I kind of skipped over there, he does mention to her that he can only go so far in time. The latest he's ever gone is that night, the night in... 1980 something, I guess, when Kirby is still just a barmaid at the club, the punk club where her mother performs sometimes. And this is probably within a year or two of her being murdered by or attempted murder by um, Harper. And he starts to fixate on her at this moment. Maybe his attention shifts to her. I feel like he was very upset that was so into her. He felt threatened by it. 
Here they are in these times that he can only go so far in because of what happens later. And he has to now share her like very direct attention on someone else. And that's not fun for him. I would say yes, but it also does seem that as soon as he sees her for the very first time, he does start to fixate on her. And she even calls him out on it going like, wait a second, I'm flirting with her to keep you uh, to keep her around for you. You seem to be very interested in her. And he's like, no, I'm not. But it's very clear that he is interested in her immediately. So I love the layers of the mystery. (laughs) There are layers. See what I mean by I have to have a good payoff. This is why there's so many layers. (laughs) But it's fun putting them together, right? You're doing a good job. We're guessing at this point. But I mean, yes, I mean, I'm curious to see where they could potentially go with this, because I am very curious about how he, like just during the course of this conversation, I'm kind of thinking about the whole situation where he is, where he has the control of the house in some way, and his friend is not. And also this guy who's been there for a while, who's been like, I guess the owner of the house, but now that people have shown up, he knows it's time to leave. Like the house is kicking him out in some way. So is the house somehow manipulating all these situations so that he would be in that woman's room and hearing the watch just at that moment. And, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe it's, it's, I'm still confused as to all this, how everything's happening. Here. I mean, maybe the house didn't manipulate it, but fates did in some way. So he realizes that now they are where I used to be. So I have to make room for them. It's fate. Mm, and maybe. someday, you know, these guys are going to have to make room for someone else. And probably leave, but I don't think these guys will ever leave. They do not want to be out of this alter reality possession. Well, that's the other thing that's weird when you think about the logic here. He is saying that he cannot go beyond this moment in time. He's tried to go further. She asks him why, and he says, I don't know. The house has rules that he doesn't know. I guess also that guy that they scared out mentioned that the house had rules, and I guess they figured them out along the way. But he says that he can't move any further in time beyond this date. Although now we do know from the course of this show that he is traveling in time beyond that date in the 80s when he, I assume, tried to kill Kirby. So is killing these girls allowing him to move further in time? Maybe. Maybe that's his. It's mechanism. possible because he would have gone up to Elizabeth Moss's character right. and then. get someone else to go further ahead than that. He must not like that Elizabeth Moss is not Elizabeth Moss. What is her name? (laughs) Kirby. She has several names, though. Kirby and Sharon are her two names. Yeah. So it's hard for that's why I can't even pick a name when Kirby or Sharon are they, they can only go as far as that. And now she he has in the course of the show, he is now targeting this new girl who we see him kill uh, in one of the earlier episodes. But of course, that is an alternate timeline because she's still alive in this, the timeline that's in the show proper itself, the one that we're watching. So this is his next target. And I assume if he does actually kill her, he then gets 10 more years because these girls have been killed every 10 years, something like that, right? I did the math when I first saw the dates of that montage of everybody not everybody but of the girls locations when they were murdered yeah and it was like two then there was 10 then i think it went 10 again there's no real code is what i'm saying it's not every 10 
Yeah, you're, the um, the reason I said the 10 is because they said something about we have murders and they specifically say 1974, 1984, and there was another one, another iteration of 10. But I think you're right. There's It's more than those three deaths on every 10 years. There's these in-between death murders as well, right? So yeah, I'm not sure what the math is on the whole thing. But I do think that killing has allowed him to move beyond this original time frame because since he could just pick a date, literally pick one in his mind and then go to that date and he hasn't been able to do that. It's as if he maybe killed or tried to kill Elizabeth Moss and then he gets her remaining years or something. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. But maybe, that, maybe they'll explain. Are it. we making this enticing to people to watch Shining <laughs> Girls? Do you think people are like, oh, yeah, I want to watch that show. I want to see this. I think anybody who's listening to this has got to be watching the show and we're just trying to give them, they're probably as confused as we are. I do not think anyone's going to be listening to this conversation who's not watched the show up to now and is now going to jump in. <laughs> but if somebody was like, should I watch the show? And then they listen to this, would they want to? We sound so like bewildered at the whole thing, <laughs> but I like it. What I would say is that I'm still not sure how this works. I'm still interested though. I'm still interested. So I'm not. I am too, especially because it comes on like weekly. Yeah. So I, and it's not a lot of time to invest. So I watch it and I'm like, oh, you know, I think I'm getting it. And then I know, I don't know if I'd want to binge watch this show. Yeah. Part of the appeal is that there are spaces of time in between. So when you come back to it, you're like, oh, you know, but you don't think about it all the time, but I, there is uh, something fun about having to wait now for the next episode. Some shows you have to binge watch. You're like, oh my gosh, I have to see it now. Can't shut it off. Like, I don't feel like you could binge watch this show. You might. It's like a crossword puzzle. Well, I mean, you might do it because you want to get to the end. That's what I would say is I'm not sure that if you binged it, you would be thrilled the whole way through, but I could picture people binging this <laughs> if if it has a good ending. And I think that's the real key here. If there's a really satisfying ending, I can imagine this is a show that then people start jumping into uh, because of the finale, right? So I think that is a possibility. Like a very, very long movie. I do like those also. Yeah. That, yeah. Like if it rained all weekend and you just put this on throughout the whole thing, it would be cool. Like an event. I mean, right in this feed, we just covered Severance, and I was watching that week to week for the podcast, but that was a show that was relatively slow moving. But if I had been able to binge that show, I would have binged it all the way through. And I know a lot of people binged it because once the ending came around and everybody got you know on, on board, then all of a sudden people were binging it from the beginning, right? And uh, I saw it. Yeah. That was really good. Yeah. What a great ending, too. Yes, I agree. I can't wait. Are they having another season? Oh, absolutely. Yes. That's what I read. So very it's excited. Take, it's going to take a while, right. though. Who knows? A year, year and a half. Who knows? So worth it. And there's so much to watch. There's so much to watch in between. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of things that are very satisfying, I thought Last week's episode of Barry was exceptional. And this week's episode of Barry is equally exceptional, actually. Oh, my God. This week was very good. And this one was called All the Sauces. <laughs> These episode <laughs> titles are hilarious. I do like those. I like the ridiculousness of this week. 
I got to tell you that Barry's episodes are only 30 minutes. It's incredible to me how much show they pack into these episodes. I have way more notes on Barry than I have on Shining Girls. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, this episode is called All the Sauces, which apparently is what all the guys tried when they went to their, (laughs) went to the restaurant. (laughs) And it's fascinating. We touched on some of these things in last week's episode. They are picking up on all the seeds, all the groundwork they left last week immediately jumping into everything paying off, not like three or four episodes later, paying off one episode later. It's pretty incredible, the breakneck pace that the show is going at. We left things on that creepy, almost scene uh, of (laughs) Fuchs planning his revenge. And, uh, you know, he was motivated in some ways by this story of the um, Vengeance Panthers. (laughs) And like I speculated there, I'm like, you know, hey, he knows where all the bodies are buried. He can wrangle up an army of uh, vengeful people pretty quickly. And he gets right to work. And as a matter of fact, I am pretty sure we see here the very first murder. You just saw the show recently, right? That's the very first murder we ever see Barry commit on the show, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we're we're revisiting the very first murder in the very first episode of the show. Uh, We see a little more to that scene, by the way. We see him actually speaking to his uh, wife, played by Annabeth Gish, a pretty famous actress. So we know she'll be back for more episodes. A great uh, uh, scene there, not only to see... Once again, to compl- uh, complicate our feelings for, for Barry, that he is, you know, just a cold-blooded murderer. Once again, reminding us of that fact. My favorite part of this whole sequence is that smash cut, basically, of her at the table years earlier, and now with the graying hair in the exact same place. Right, like not over this at all. Fuchs shows up at her door and says, "I know who killed your husband." That was genius. It's heartbreaking, though. Yes. Yep. There were so many like elements of film. In this episode, Mm -hmm. they had the sad part. I mean, genuinely so sad. And it almost looks like something out of Mad Men, the way they filmed her, like in the later years. So there are, I just see different styles going on. Yeah, it's actually incredible that way that they mix these different genres together, you know, seamlessly in here. You, You have these characters that have all this serious pathos to them. You have the absolutely ridiculous character that is Fuchs, you know, who's uh, just a completely over-the-top comedic performance. And uh, you have just a perfect example of that all-in-one person is Gene, who's been a total cartoon, even in dealing with his girlfriend's death and stuff up until this point, has been extremely cartoonish. And now in this uh, season, he's just been like this completely broken person. And you're seeing like a completely different side of, um, you know, Henry Winkler's performance, but also just like you said, just the mixing of different styles effortlessly. It's, it's pretty incredible. I do like that. Everyone keeps reminding him that he is not like a good guy. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll just jump to that at the like end. Left and yeah. right. Yes. Just everyone's reminding him. Like, remember when you did whatever? <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> The show is agreeing with this perspective. This show is called Barry, and everybody on the show is better off without Barry. <laughs> Fuchs would have been like living in idyllic circumstance. Now, he's doing that to himself, by the way. But if Barry wasn't there, wasn't a motivator for him, he'd probably be living a better life. And obviously, Gene would. <laughs> and obviously, Sally now is having a successful career. And like Barry is like the outsider on all these situations. <laughs> But would they be they would not be living a better life because the reason his girlfriend has her own show is because he brought that out in her. Jean's about to have an amazing career because of him. 
I mean, at this moment, they're better off without him. I don't mean that. He, but you're right. It's that be, being through the ringer of these situ- situations has gotten them to another level. But like right like now, they had to pay their dues. They had to right. suffer before they got what they wanted. Right. He's right. he's like um, one of those fallen angels. <laughs> Maybe make Maybe. them suffer and then change their lives in ways they could not have dreamed of. So we have a very funny sequence here, too, where Hank has called up Barry, of course, last week to put the bomb at Christos's house, Crystal Ball's house. But he has to do it at five o'clock while he's at Pilates. <laughs> That's so great. That made me laugh. The so whole thing, that was the whole thing is hilarious. I mean, the way that, you know, he, he has to use his, uh, you got to install the detonate app on your phone. <laughs> so it's been decided that you are going to blow them all up during a midday meeting, which is usually around 5 p.m. Now, Cristobal will be at Pilates at that time, so he won't be there. Right, so I'm bombing a house? Oh, and cow. Peep this. Give me your phone. You need the detonate app. Oh, wait, shit. I need your face. Bingo. Would you like to receive Detonate special promotional offers? Absolutely. Can I have access to your photos? Yes. Location services? Always. Can I share personal information with market research? Sure. Why not? And you are set. Berkman goes boom. Your password is suddenly Seymour1985, but the S's are all dollar signs. Thanks. Uh, by the way, everybody, when you saw an app, just don't share any information. <laughs> But I, how great is that? He did tell the little girls to go inside the house. True. He, you know, he knew he was going to blow that up. I also love that the bomb is like mile, you know, across the entire parking lot, obviously from them. And it's also speaking in Korean. It's like saying, which I actually looked up the translation of this, but basically it's saying like, you have picked up a bomb. <laughs> and then later on, <laughs> later on, when he bonks it against the side of the house, it changes to, uh, to Japanese. And it's like, you have dropped your bomb. <laughs> I was wondering what it was saying. I'm like, I wonder how to figure that out. And then of course I forgot about it two minutes later, but it crossed my mind. Do your Reddit research. It's all on Reddit. I like when he's like under the house. Yes. And you're, and it's funny because he's such a jerk, but you're like a little worried about him. Yeah. Of <laughs> I'm a little worried about you, dude. <laughs> Just because the show will end if he dies, because uh, you can't have a show called Barry without Barry in it. <laughs> yeah. But they could always do a flashback of Barry. Maybe. Not we'll that I want him to continue. In a way, it's what I said before. He could be, changing people's lives after making them pay their dues. This could be uh, his mission. It could be like Highway to Heaven, but with a uh, murderer. Correct. <laughs> yes. Same concept. Or The Incredible Hulk, but with a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> the old TV show, the TV show. So Sally, this is another very funny scene for me. Sally's prepping her speech and uh, Natalie, her assistant, tries to help her with her speech. And she goes on this whole tirade about, she goes, I wrote the, you know, I didn't just... By the way, I love how Sally's like, I didn't write, direct, star in, produce <laughs> this show. Yes. It's, it's not all about me. It's like, well, yeah, it does sound like it's all about you. She goes, but I did this for this lonely girl from Missouri. And then uh, her friend Natalie starts typing out this whole <laughs> digression. I want my speech tonight not to be corny, you know? I want it to be honest and real, mm-hmm. like the show. And not some superficial bullshit about how it might be perceived. Right. Take this down. Yeah. Um, I didn't write, direct, produce, and star in Joplin for the glory. Mm -hmm. I do this show for a little girl who came from Joplin, Missouri. Yeah, and maybe that little girl's name is Abigail, but everybody calls her Sweetie because her grandma had a lisp and she'd say like, Sweetie, time to milk the cows. Yeah, 
And um, maybe Abigail lived on a farm, so she was really sheltered. And she didn't see a television set until she was like 14 years old. And every night she would be like, Mama, promise me those little people aren't gonna come out of the television set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The little girl is me. You're Thweety? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Where are you going with this? <laughs> I feel like she wants to write her own screenplay and she's like writing it in the moment. Like, <laughs> yeah, she might, have the, she might have the skill for it, actually. She got inspired. I wouldn't be surprised if that whole thing turns into a pitch by the end of this show, by the way. <laughs> that would be fun. I liked her screenplay. <laughs> I did too. I thought it was, I <laughs> I was, thought it was good. It. I was like, that's not bad. So Gene, meanwhile, is panicking. He is not, even when Joe Montaigne <laughs> makes peace with him and invites him to dinner, he's still not lured yet into uh, you know not trying to get out of town because he smartly is terrified that Barry is coming for him. Although Barry's not actually coming for him, but he doesn't know that yet. Where did they meet him? Is this what Marshall's? I have no idea where this place is. It's very funny that Joe Montaigne. It's if it is funny, <laughs> yeah. Kmart, Target, and apparently Joe Montaigne's shops there also. <laughs> yep. Fuchs has left Barry's address with this family, and they now know where he lives. So that's uh, you know problematic, obviously, for maybe the next episode, maybe the finale of the season. We'll have to see how how quickly this pays off. Meanwhile, we have that whole sequence you already alluded to, where you know he's placing the bomb at. Chris, the ball's house, this, you know, the lemonade girls are outside. Like you mentioned, he does tell them to go inside, which is good. Although he's out there for hours. So I'm not, you know, this is a very suspicious. Anybody with like a ring cam or something is going to see this car parked out there for hours and then leaving as soon as this bomb detonates. <laughs> Nobody comes out of their house ever. Well, I mean, that's, neighborhood, how, that's how the suburbs are anyway. Exactly. <laughs> I also love the whole troubleshooting, the, <laughs> the app. <laughs> it doesn't detonate. And, that uh, was believable, by oh, the way. Yes, yes. I'm like, I believe that this exists. I think that there's actually an app with IT support <laughs> right. for well, this. A, you hear these stories of people who get hacked, their uh, computers get locked down. And there is, you know, when you have to pay the ransom to unlock your computer, if you have any problems with it, they do have a technical support hotline that you call. And apparently, you know, I've heard recordings of these people. They're like very polite. They're like, oh, I'm so sorry about this tra transaction. You know, let me just make sure that your account has cleared. You know, the cryptocurrency is cleared. It's like, okay, your computer <laughs> should be unlocked now. You know, I hope you had a good experience. They literally ask you for like a five-star rating or something. And it's like, well, thank you, hacker, for your polite response <laughs> to your criminal action. <laughs> but so they, they probably would have a helpline for <laughs> your bomb detonator. See, another thing that happens all the time, by the way, which I find very funny, is the whole Wi-Fi situation. Because Kim sometimes will be like, I can't send any text messages you know, driving somewhere. And she's like on the public Wi-Fi, but she hasn't logged in. So, but the phone's connected to it. So uh, she can't send any text messages. I'm like, turn off your Wi-Fi, turn off the Wi-Fi. <laughs> and uh, that's exactly what he needed to do. And of course, the bomb detonates immediately. Meanwhile, Cristobal was inside the house. And also, we discussed this last week, was Fernando did know what was going on with Cristobal. And uh, he is a stand-up guy. He says, I'm not going to kill Hank. You're going to have to kill me. And of course, he says, OK, fine, <laughs> we'll kill you. And he escapes just in the nick of time. And that bomb was a huge bomb, by the way. It blew up uh, Barry's car practically as well. He's driving around with it. <laughs> yes. Walking exactly. across parking lots with it, hitting potholes with it. Can't wait to see like the police investigation of this in the upcoming episodes where they're like, hmm, how about this car right here that was parked there for two hours? And then we get, as soon as the bomb went <laughs> off, they drove away. <laughs> Very suspicious that after your car got damaged, you wouldn't be like, holy cow, what's happening? You just roll away. I can't wait to talk about Sally's breakdown on stage. Oh my God, that happens next. That yeah. was like a breakdown. 
before we move to Sally's, which is the incredible scene, by the way. But before we move to that whole thing, I also love the fact that while Fernando is confronting Cristobal, did you notice that in the background you hear the bomb talking in Japanese? Yes, I and did no- notice that. And nobody's reacting to it at all. Like everyone's just so casual about like this. <laughs> like, wouldn't anyone be curious about like what is that? <laughs> yes, it was loud. Yeah, it was like hear- coming through the floor. You could but- clearly hear it. Exactly. Nope, the whole nobody time. cares. Nobody <laughs> exactly. cares. Yep. Everyone just thought it's like whatever, like, you know, oh, someone's phone or some device is making noise over there randomly. <laughs> it's like, no, it's a bomb under the house. <laughs> Barry is out there for hours because he yeah. tries to blow the house up in the daytime. Yeah, it's, not, nighttime. it's yeah. night and he is still trying. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So then Sally's at a premiere. Barry couldn't make it, of course, because, you know, he, he was busy planning his bomb and he thought it was going to take a lot less time. But, you know, he had his technical support problems. And this is the scene. Right. So Sally's about to come out and give her ridiculous speech. When they say, you know, Sally, uh, the Rotten Tomato reviews are coming in. Oh, my God, you got a 98 percent. She's doing great. And this other show that was going to premiere at the exact same time, and they were worried they were trying to get ahead of it, had like a 35 or something. And she has a 98. And she's like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. And then, of course, as she gets on stage, she starts to process this. And not only does she then start like, you know, having like a victory lap on stage during her premiere, which is a little, uh, you know, <laughs> much. Then she has this complete breakdown which is terrifying it's like the most uncomfortable thing that happens in the entire episode it is so uncomfortable she's having this creepy breakdown like her face is melting she's all cackling and giggling she's breathing hard at one point she looks like she's gonna pass out this is you know if you've ever spoken in public like i have occasionally this is an incredible uh, scene because i sometimes would need to take a pause in what I was saying, or I would start to be nervous. And then when mm-hmm. I see the playback, I don't see anything. In my mind, there wasn't like a three seconds of dead silence. There was five minutes of dead silence, right? She is like the nightmare scenario of this whole thing happening. She's she's hyperventilating. She is just randomly saying things. She starts to sob on stage. If you believe your best review, you got to believe your worst. So after I got called unforgivable in the Pasadena Star, I vowed never to read another review. But 98. Wow. 
<laughs> like she's at the Academy Awards. This is her premiere. <laughs> like they're playing music to get her off the stage. <laughs> it was such a long scene or it felt like it. Yeah, exactly. And then Barry delivers Chris the ball to Hanks, which is sweet. But at the same time, it does make me wonder about Barry in general. This is actually like a nice thing he's doing here. But, you know, you also kind of uh, juxtapose that to him callously murdering people at the beginning of the episode in that flashback as well. I guess it all depends on the circumstances, whether he's a nice guy or not. Well, he rationalizes everything. So whatever in the moment he's thinking or he wants to feel, then he just does that. But if he's getting paid, it's okay to murder people heartlessly. But you know, because he's not getting paid, it's, uh, you know, I guess he shows a moral compass. I don't know. It's weird. Somehow. Uh, then we see Elsie Fisher playing Katie. By the way, have you ever seen Eighth Grade? She's great in that movie, by the way. No. Oh, my God. Is that movie. Good? Yes, it's incredible. Everybody should watch Eighth Grade with this uh, young actress, Elsie <laughs> Fisher. She was like, you know, basically 13 years old or something in that movie. She's you know now maybe 18 or so, but she is a uh, great in that movie. And that's a, an incredible movie. You know, she basically tells Sally, you know, I listened to your speech. And by the way, you thanked Barry there at the end. He's an abusive person, basically. And uh, it kind of is a real a revelation for for Sally there. And they, she, they eventually confront each other. But before then, we see that Barry has shown up at Jean's son's house. We got to get Gordon's shoes on. Please. Don't hurt them. I'm sorry I took you hostage. And to make up for it. I took a job. That money's Leo's. Where did you get it? Don't worry about it. It's yours. Take it. And after today, you never have to see me again. So my family is safe. Thanks for everything, Mr. Cousineau. Dad. Apologizes for everything he's done and basically walks out the door, which is the right thing to do. Once again, I mean, potentially Gene turns him in and he's just like, okay, that's what will happen. Right. So it is a little bit of a reformation of him. By the way, something that I forgot to bring up last week. And I should have brought it up in this episode for sure, which was even in last week when Gene has that great reaction while the cameras are running and slaps Barry. In the back of my mind, I was thinking, I bet you he gets work from this scene. But I was so caught up in the moment, I didn't even think about it from a plot perspective. But that's exactly what happened, right? They're going to make him a regular on this show, right? So it's going to be great for him, for Gene, that is. See his dreams coming true. because because of Barry. Yeah. Yep. All he needed to do was have the love of his life murdered. That's all. <laughs> we we're, we're like real deep on this. He's um, got so many layers, though, in reality. And so does the show. It has so many layers. It's a very intelligent show. Oh, absolutely. I think the show definitely is playing with that very idea. They don't want us to think that Barry is a good guy. They con- constantly remind us that he's not a good guy. But at the same time, they don't want it to be. It's not simple, right? It's not that he is just a monster all the time, or else these people wouldn't stick by him, basically. And then uh, Barry shows up at Sally's premiere, and uh, he's too late. And she basically confronts him and says, we can't date each other anymore. And he's like, why? Because I had a bad day. I think, once again, even he, at that moment, understands that he is in the wrong. He's just like, hey, I was a little late because I was out there murdering someone. Can you give me a break, man? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, anyway, so he really does have a leg to stand on. And uh, that's how they ended. So it kind of ends things there between him and her. Once again, that's a payoff that kind of was set up just one episode back. And we get one more joke here at the end in a very, very intense scene, which is when once again, we see Annabeth Gish with her son. He's like, I'm going to do this. And she's like, we shouldn't do this. 
But if we're going to do it, we both have to do it together. And they're having this entire conversation, which is actually a very tense and emotional conversation. It turns out it's in front of a gun seller <laughs> who's completely unfazed by any of this, basically an open discussion <laughs> of a murder in front of him. They're like, okay, cool. Two guns then. No problem. <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. What do you predict? I mean, I think we're going to see these vigilantes are coming for, for Barry, right? Well, that's what I'm assuming. With Barry, it looks like he wants to be a better person. I'm wondering what his reaction is going to be to that. It's got to implode the entire thing. He's heartbroken now. She ruined him. She broke up with him. So that's not good. Bad, bad. And then everybody else is in a different boat than they were when this season started. There's no ho Hank. He's all in love. And then his lover isn't going to be in that situation anymore. So they just want to be together. And then this woman broke up with him. And Gene, I feel like his career is going to blow up. Everything's just so different. It's just all going to implode. Yeah. These gangsters have to go after him. In this case, it's not even gangsters, right? It's, it's the families of these murdered victims, right? Wouldn't they get satisfaction from this, though? That might be a good ending. I don't know if Barry has another season, but imagine Barry's end all are all these people coming for revenge, leaving everyone else he made suffer in a better boat eventually. They just renewed this for another season, but I would not be surprised at all if that's a fake out, right? Because it's hard to imagine this show going beyond the season for all the reasons you said. Everything they set up last week, I actually thought were going to pay off over the course of the season. The fact that it all paid off this week, you just said it yourself. It's like, where is for this show to go? Cristobal, as far as anyone's concerned, probably they probably think he's dead. So now he can just basically uh, go with um, Noho Hank and they can be together and the Bolivians are out of the out of the way. But then that could escalate instead, right? Because they could be like, oh, it was definitely the Chessians who killed the Bolivians. And then you can have another contingency of Bolivians coming. And then Cristobal can't hide from them because inevitably they're going to find out that he's with Hank. That could turn bad. Uh, Gene right now looks like he has everything he wants, but that could implode because Gene has (laughs) done nothing but self-destruct his career throughout his career. So maybe things go bad, really bad quickly there. And same thing with Sally, right? Like Sally might just have another nervous breakdown when uh, the success itself can be uh, and uh, it can undo her. Right. And the fact that maybe people start saying, look, the show's going badly right now. And she buys her own hype and starts saying, well, I think better. I know better than you who has a 98 percent around tomatoes. And she ends up destroying her own career. And then maybe they do need to turn back to Barry. But at this moment, like you said, it looks like everybody's got everything they want <laughs> and Barry's alone. And potentially, you know, every one of these people, we have two people so far, but it could be multiple families all have his address in their pockets and they're all gunning for him. And you're, like you said, it, there's no reason that, you know, if he's really, truly turned over a new leaf, why does he need to, uh, he could just decide to be like, you know what, I'm, everyone's better off without me. Uh, these people deserve to get their vengeance and I'll just lay down my gun and let myself get killed. So that is definitely a possible situation, but I don't think that's going to be the way it's going to be. We're only halfway through the season. <laughs> so I think there's more to come. So Predictions. I love that, by the way. I love when, you know, when I watch a show like Ozark or whatever, just to, you know, talk about a show I really don't like that much. It's pretty easy to predict what's going to happen next. And on this show, I'm always like, I don't know what's going to happen, <laughs> which is a good thing. I don't want it. I don't want to have it all figured out. Right. So. So as far as our podcast goes, we will be continuing to cover Better Call Saul next week. 
we have the mid-season break on Monday after this Monday episode. And uh, very curious to see how things pan out for this first half of the season. Then it'll be on break until the middle of July. And uh, we will uh, probably be moving this conversation with Celia over to Tuesday, probably Monday or Tuesday. Uh, We'll continue to recap Barry. The Shining Girls is wrapping up also. We'll continue to cover that until the end and as well as Barry. And maybe throw some other movie reviews in there. Very different than the movie Men is um, the Top Gun movie, which we'll probably be reviewing next week. And uh, which everybody loves right now. The reviews have already come in and people are ecstatic for it. That is definitely going to be a popcorn movie for sure. I can't (laughs) wait. I just saw the original really quick just to get a brush up because that's my thing. And uh, I'm taking the kids, their girlfriends, like Carlos is coming. It's like a whole, we already booked our, our rows. Get your tickets booked. I, um, I gotta tell you, I have seen the first Top Gun movie one time. I have probably seen parts of it hundreds of times because it's on cable or used to. I mean, when we were younger, it was on cable all the time, constantly. Not so much anymore, but maybe recently it has been because of this. I am not a massive fan of the original Top Gun, and that's kind of sacrilegious to say, but I am just, uh, it's okay. <laughs> but I've heard a lot of people who have oh, the same it was opinion. Good. It's like, it's family friendly, though. It's good in a family friendly way. It's very wholesome in a way. So it's that kind of movie. But I hear that the new Top Gun is way more exciting. I am excited for the sequel. I'm going on Saturday yeah. with everyone. I can the get whole in a family. row. Everyone's going. coming. <laughs> All right. I'm going to be watching it myself. So I will have my review. I have a feeling I'm going to like it. I have uh, you know, not always been a huge uh, Tom Cruise, Cruise fan. I like his movies where he tries to do his non-Tom Cruise thing uh, more than I like his traditional Tom Cruise type you know, roles. But I got to tell you, his last few years, he's been making those Mission Impossible movies, and I love those Mission Impossible movies. They're incredible. So I am uh, hoping that this is going to be as good as that, or maybe better. We'll see. All right. Thank you for the conversation, and I enjoy your weekend. Thanks. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.